0: So what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com.
1: Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. Have you ever wondered how the connection between your self-worth equates to your net worth? How are those things connected? We all know that they really are in so many different ways. And that, my friend, is what today's conversation is mostly about with my friend, Meadow DeVore. Now, before I dive into Meadow's background and give you a little bit of an intro into who she is, I have to share a really great money one. This money one comes from one of my friends previous coaching clients, Denise. Denise has been crushing it. She's one of those that just hits the ground running, takes everything that you say and just absorbs it, makes it her own and just crushes it. And so I have to share this. I have to publicly shout her out because I'm so, so proud of her. She has almost $15,000 saved up for her dream house down payment. I'm stoked. Her big goal is to get into a house in the fall. And I don't, I mean, honestly, she's well on her way. I don't know how she wouldn't make it. She's just crushing it. So Denise, congratulations. I'm so proud of you. And it was such an honor to work with you and to continue getting these updates. You are such a rock star. Keep up the great work. All right. Let's talk about Meadow DeVore. Meadow is a self-development teacher with a modern approach to spirituality, money, and personal growth. Since 2007, she has led teacher trainings, inquiry classes, and retreats both online and all across the United States. She's the author of Money Love, A Guide to Changing the Way You Think About Money, and The Art of Wayfinding, Discover Your Inner Guidance on and Off the Mat. Meadow has been published in Women's World Magazine, Women's Day Magazine, many renowned blogs like Daily Worth and Good Men Project and was even a guest on the Oprah Winfrey show. She's a rock star. She speaks, writes, and teaches extensively on how our relationship to life itself is an exact reflection of our deepest held beliefs about our own worth. This conversation is so fun, you guys. It was really very thought-provoking for myself, I found myself going through a lot of the exercises and a lot of the thought process. I actually read her book and her book was so, so good. So this is my my entry point to Meadows World was I was flipping furniture in my garage and looking for a good book just listen to kind of have on the background. And I came across this book. And honestly, I had to push pause because I actually wanted to pay attention and not have background noise. So I pushed pause, Loved this book, absorbed it all thought it was so good. And why I'm sharing that is because if you do want to listen to this book as well, which I highly recommend, you can get it for free. It's only on audible for right now. And it is is trial.com money nerds. That's how you can get your hands on this book for free. Again, if you don't want to pay for audible, cancel it after 30. 30 days so that you don't get charged every single month. But man, it's a great book, and I really, really think you'll enjoy it too. Here's what we talk about in this episode we talk about going from being a money coach in a good financial situation to more than $500,000 in debt and how she interpreted that for her own life. What buying a Gucci dress taught Meadow. This is such a great story. I really loved it. How your self-worth affects your finances. The front door exercise. I'm not going to ruin this, but it was so interesting and definitely one that after this recording, I revisited and actually took seriously. Understanding the limitations we create for ourselves and where those actually come from. Behaviors and thought processes that lead to feelings of worthlessness. Why changing the way you approach your relationship with money is equally as valuable as making more of it. What led Meadow to move into a yurt in Big Sur? You have to check out her Instagram. Her yurt is beautiful. It's like hashtag goals. It really does have a killer view. It's like right over the ocean. Anyway, incredible. Go check it out. Why downsizing and simplifying life was such a good decision for Meadow. We cover the whole gambit of self-worth in this episode. I think you're going to enjoy it. Guys, I am so excited to introduce you to Meadow. But before we do that, let's hear a quick word from today's sponsor. Sponsor. If there's one thing I've learned for sure, it's that the key to success in business is finding an edge and leveraging it. For a lot of businesses, that edge is your team. It's building the people around you. And that's where Indeed comes into play. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three: Post, screen, and interview. All on Indeed. It's pretty cool. It's all, all comprehensive, all in one place. We are all about efficiency here on The Money Nerds. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. You only pay for the candidates that meet your must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Efficient, right? Like it's amazing. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, you can get quality candidates whose resume is on Indeed that fits your description perfectly, but you get those resumes immediately. And Indeed skills tests on average reduce hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests, or you can even add your own that fits your own desires and then add your must-have requirements so you only pay for applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than any other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash money nerds. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash money nerds, indeed.com slash money nerds. This offer is valid through June 30th terms and conditions do apply. So go find your edge in your business and let's get back to the show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode today. I am joined by one of my new favorite authors, Meadow DeVore. Thank you so much for
0: hanging out. Oh, thank you for inviting me to be with your people and share my work. We We are stoked. So, okay, let me give you some context into how I
1: found your book. I'm a huge Audible subscriber. Love it. Listen to it all the time. And I was in my garage flipping some furniture, looking for some type of like personal development book. I'm like, I wonder what's out there. And I came across your book and it was one of those meta where I had to actually push pause on my furniture flipping and go sit down and take some notes because I'm like, I cannot multitask with this. This is too good. So thank (laughs) you for your
0: work. (laughs) Ah, thanks. Yes, I know I love that I got to share it on Audible first. Uh, but it's one of those books that I'm just like, even me when I'm teaching the concepts, I need them written down. They're it's dense. Like the stories are easy and funny and and sad and but the the information in between and all the teaching concepts, like what? Uh, well, how did I say that in the book? Because that's exactly I, I already forgot, and I wrote it myself. So, yeah, <laughs> I so totally get there it. Be, there will be a hard copy, but it's it's a year out from the hard copy right now. Oh, a year out. Okay, well, bummer. Yeah, it's all right. You can hear me cry at the end of this one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't hear me cry. <laughs> I love it. Well, I I really <laughs> did appreciate
1: Thank it. You. So, take everybody back a little bit. Tell them. What was life like in 2009? It sounds like this was kind of the catalyst for the change in your own personal life.
0: Yeah, in 2009, uh, I was actually working primarily as a money coach. That was my my main shtick, uh, and I was focusing mostly on income, like how to boost income. I was working with coaches and how to make six figures in the first year. That was my my whole thing that I taught, and I was like very confident with it and really thought I knew th- some things. And then, uh, 2009, I ended up, uh, upside down in two different properties, uh, getting a divorce. The previous business I had owned, uh, the, the guy went bankrupt on me and I was holding the paper for that. He owed me a couple hundred grand and, uh, my coaching career just completely, uh, shriveled to nothing. It, It was just a hard year for everybody, like across the board, hard year for everybody. So between losing the old income, losing my, my clientele, and then also ending up upside down terribly and getting a divorce, I went from feeling pretty much like I'm fine. I'm good to realizing I was 564,000 and odd cents in debt I had no income coming in. I had to split debt, not assets. When I got divorced, I was a single mother. I was 35 years old, and uh, it was it was just a huge, huge wake up call of like, oh, <laughs> you think you're a money coach? Like you don't know at all how you ended up here. So, um, so it was it was definitely a hard hard lesson, but I had been a coach for a long time at that point, And I really wanted to find out what my part in this was. Like I had mm. been a good American and I had gone to school and I had paid out, you know, my loans and I had credit cards and the car payment and I had bought property and I, you know, I was never late on my payments. So like, how did I end up here? And so that that took my career in a completely different direction of the really trying to understand the relationship with money rather than just money itself, mm-hmm. and um, and I find it endlessly fascinating. So I started looking at the emotional and cognitive patterns of spending and earning and and how that's all tied together, and then did a bunch of research, wrote a book on that, and for about 10 years. Those were the main tools I taught. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was about how to get out of debt, how to build your net worth, all all the regular financial, like how to have a better understanding of how this whole thing works. And then uh, what I kept realizing were, I I had that. I, I got myself out of debt. I paid it all off. It was great. Wonderful. And I but I hit this ceiling and I, th- you know, it felt the same. Like I still mm-hmm. was dating guys that weren't good for me. I still felt shitty about my body. I feel I still felt like uh, a bad mom. Like I just felt like not good about myself. And and so though I needed better tools. And so that's where the worthy project comes from is really out of you know eight years of really hard like i i feel like these should be making me happier like i got out of debt i i'm doing fine financially but i still don't feel good and i still feel like i could lose everything any moment and i still kept dating guys that did not care about me and i still you know felt at the end of the day like i just was falling behind with motherhood and, like, not keeping up. And um, so that's where I started thinking, like, what is this? What is this painful thing I'm experiencing? Like, what would you call this? And I just kept feeling like it was just not enough. Like, I'm just not enough. I don't have enough. I don't have enough love. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not a good mom enough. Like, um, and then I thought... Well, that's what you used to feel like about money, like there was never enough. And so what if I thought about this problem in the same way that I fixed the other problem? Mm -hmm. And so that's when I started looking at self-worth in the same way as I look at net worth, financial net worth, and started really being careful with the way I spend my energy and really being careful with what I expect back for that and, and that's where the word, worthy project came from.
1: That is incredible. Yeah. And I loved the story too. I, like everything that you, you're such a great author. When you share these stories, I found myself like cracking up because I was like, I so relate to this. This is amazing. And it was so comical, but I loved your sense of humor throughout all of these, like pretty crappy situations, honestly, like it's not fun to go through, but you did have a sense of humor. Do you think that that, is that something that you had to learn or is that something that was inherent for you?
0: Oh, having a sense of humor? Yeah. I think I've always had a sense of humor, but uh, no, I used to take myself quite seriously. I think when you're going to go public with the fact that you're about a half million dollars in debt and you've made your living as a money coach and you're a total fraud, you, you need to be you need a sense of humor to go forward. <laughs> yeah. There's no faking in that. You're like, I have screwed up royally and either I need to quit and find a new job or I have to tell the truth. And this is going to be incredibly embarrassing. So I, I took the second route. I like it. And, I think it was a good also, way to go. So, yeah. Some of these things are old. so I can talk about them pretty freely. Like mm-hmm. the Gucci dress.
1: <laughs> tell us about the Gucci dress. I thought this was so great. And it was something that I could totally relate to there.
0: Yes, the Gucci dress was one of those things that you just couldn't, I just couldn't lie to myself about it once it happened. I I lied to myself the whole day when I bought it, but uh, that was you know, just a few months after my divorce. I I was scraping things together. I was barely had any uh, uh, credit card room at at the time. I had not started paying off my debt. I had not even really considered considered the idea that I could ever pay off debt. Like that was just something I considered to be like a fact of life. So Mm -hmm. I was out with some girlfriends. They have well, they had and have a lot more money than I do. Um, they always have. And they wanted to go to this very, very fancy mall. So, you know, there was definitely this idea that I need to keep up with them. But then there was this really broken part in me that didn't, I didn't want to show them how desperate I was, how much of a failure I was, how bad I felt about myself. And, you know, I, saw that Gucci dress on the mannequin and I was just like, that is going to make me like them. Like that is going to make me feel like how I imagine they feel. Mm. So um so to be clear, I'm not like a label girl. I'm not even I've never even owned Gucci. I don't even it wasn't even about like the the idea that it was a Gucci dress, it was like the idea that it was so expensive and so special and, mm-hmm. and so not who I thought I was. So I thought like it was kind of like a hack to get to this place where I really wanted to be and what I thought meant I was worthy. And so the Gucci dress, when I slipped it on, there was a huge problem with the Gucci dress. And the, the problem was that it did not uh, contain my boobs. <laughs> whatsoever. (laughs) So, and I knew it right then and there. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I think in the books, like, you know, I wish that was the moment that it like snapped me out of my spell of like, Oh, this is going to, this is going to make me feel good about myself. (laughs) But no, 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 that's not what happened at all. I was like, Oh, I can fix this. I'll just buy something else to go under it. (laughs) So this entire day was like, you know, chasing this ideal, this, Mm. this idea Mm. of, And it wasn't just a Gucci dress. It was me with a better degree. It was me having married a better guy. It was me that had that like Ivy League, uh, everything that I had thought that I was supposed to have done that I didn't do that, man, if I could just get there, that chick, she wears Gucci. And so if I wear Gucci, then I'm going to feel like that thing in my mind that I'm trying to get to. it, It didn't work. (laughs) <laughs> it it never does <laughs> feel very, very bad. And on top of it, I wore it. The first time I wore it was to a wedding. And this woman careened into me. And it's turquoise, by the way, this this dress. I go into a major detail about what this dress looked like because it's seared into my brain because I then had to pay it off for the next couple years. Yep. But yeah, as she careened into me with red wine and it went all down it. It was kind of like sweater material. So it just oh, soaked no. in the wine. Yeah, this so it ended up being like this tie-dyed turquoise and burgundy dress and I took it to several cleaners and uh, it, it couldn't come out. So, it was a very very hard a very obvious money lesson to buy, you know, like, mm-hmm. like I'm buying things on credit it's, it wasn't even something I really loved. It wasn't even my personality. It wasn't anything that I'd use really. I lived in a beach town. Like I mostly wore yoga pants and flip-flops. Like it just wasn't, it, it didn't honor or respect who I was or my lifestyle. And then on top of it, I had to keep paying for it and paying for it and paying for it because it was so expensive and I put it on credit. And so it was like one of those moments that I would look back on when I was paying down my debt of going, okay, that, that, whatever that was can't happen again. Yeah. So in this book, I really talk about what that was as far as worthiness beyond a bad money decision. But it was really this idea that I can buy myself or I can fake it or I can put something on my body that will make me worthy. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work.
1: No. Worthiness
0: is an instant. And hack it.
1: Yeah, I love that you really illustrated that in so many different examples. And one that I I personally love that you talked about too is yes, we think we can just be smarter if we're just a little you know more educated. If we just lose that twenty pounds, right. then we're finally worthy. And I think right. we all buy into that sometimes. Do you still find yourself falling into that trap or are you pretty good about not doing that anymore?
0: Well, I still fall into the trap of criticizing myself and thinking I'll feel better if I was whatever, uh, thinner mostly is this, the one that is still, still that, that just keeps on, that's a gift that never stops giving me. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's, it's stuck for life, but, um, but I don't, I, I do not equate that to worthiness at all anymore, which is, mm. I can't even tell you what a miracle that is because I, I really used to walk around just feeling like if you knew me, you would not like me and I am just irreparably broken and, uh, l- everything I did was to make sure that you didn't see that. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I don't feel like that anymore.
1: I love so. that you're so open with this because I, I know as a money coach, we kind of talked about your background as a money coach as well. But yeah. this is something that we see yeah. so often of people just trying to buy their way to an image. And I think of yeah. like how often that affects our finances. Do you have any examples from like coaching clients or anything that you see often when we try to do that?
0: Well, mostly I see, especially during this pandemic, I see a lot of people doing this compulsive spending and buy now you know the buy now button on amazon will kill you but uh it it, it's not even so much that they're trying to get to this image it's more that they just are uncomfortable and they have you know internal pain they're working through and they they reach for the buy now button and they reach for that fantasy of that better life and uh, and it's just like a quick dopamine hit to get them out of an uncomfortable moment. And unfortunately, then you have to keep paying for that moment. Yeah. So uh, so I, I see that a lot more. Uh, you know, of course, on social media and things like that, people are still portraying a very uh, idealistic life. Uh, and And I imagine a lot of people want to live up to that ideal. But mostly this year, I have seen people uh, really struggle with just the compulsive spending, and yeah. and that that quick hit of this this is gonna make me feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've seen people buy houses for this idea. I've seen people uh, go back to school and take out you know student loans for this idea. It's just. It's this idea, this ever elusive better self that they're chasing. And I chased it too. And they think that money will make it better throwing money at it.
1: We always do that too. It's so frustrating, which is why I Mm -hmm. loved throughout your book, you give really great exercises. The exercise that you'll appreciate my answer to this one too was when we take a picture of our front door, I was like, oh my gosh. So talk to us about that exercise first and I'll tell you what I found for my own life.
0: Okay, good. Yeah, that's, that's where we start. Um, so, so what I found through my research is there's a, a, that ceiling that I was talking about earlier where you get to this certain ceiling and I, I couldn't break through a certain financial ceiling and I couldn't break through a certain feel good about myself ceiling. Like there was just some weird invisible ceiling that was kind of keeping me stuck. And it was funny. It was like, I would always have that once I got out of debt, it was always like I would have a certain amount of savings and then something would happen and then that would wipe it out. And then I'd build it back up and that would wipe it out. So it was like always hovering around that same number. And then I started noticing that with students. Um, And then I also noticed that, oh, they have this weird set point ceiling for relationship happiness and vulnerability. um, And the, uh, level of joy they have in their life. So there's something, what is that ceiling? What's keeping them down? And, uh, I just had this hypothesis that it might be what a person thought they were worth. So you can't know what you think you're worth. So that's, that's the thing. You can know how much you spend, but how do you know, it? like on any ga- day you might look in the mirror and go, yes, this is fantastic. I love this. And then tomorrow you might look at it and go, Oh God, no. What was I thinking yesterday? Right? So it's like a very movable target. There's nothing that you can pinpoint and go, well, my net worth is this. Like I can do the math and figure that out, but what are your actually worth? So, um, there's some really interesting psychology books that talk about how you can't really know what you believe. And so I just read those and I thought, okay, what if You can't really know what you believe you're worth. And so the way through that is to look at evidence in your life Mm -hmm. and to look at the behavior and and how that behavior stacks up. So, for instance, net worth, you can look at the behavior of your spending, and that stacks up to a certain net worth. Spending and earning. Uh, So I thought, okay, what if I just looked at weird things in my life and— looked at it through the lens of what is this behavior and what is it reinforcing? What's it teaching me about myself? So rather than saying, you know, Whitney, what, how how much do you like yourself? Because that's a completely right. useless question. It doesn't go anywhere. Um, and it doesn't really give you any good feedback other than now I know that's what Whitney wants me to think about her, but <laughs> it, it, she doesn't even Right. So so we start with the front door because the front door or any of these bizarre places like your junk drawer or inside your wallet, you know, they show you what you really believe about yourself Mm -hmm. (laughs) more than you think. So my front door, I had just had to I taught this class, I think, for the fifth time this year. I, I teach it once a year. So I the very first time I taught it, you know, I had this. I lived on a ranch and I had the neighbor's chickens. They always let the neighbor's chickens out. And so the neighbor's <laughs> chickens always wanted to come to my house. So they came to my house and they would go on my walkway um, and they would just scratch all the dirt all over my walkway. And it it drove me crazy. Um, So I just gave up. And so I'd have this dirty walkway and I had some ugly plants in the front of my house and so I look at the, at the front door and the front door exercise, that was my fr- first one. is like, okay, right here, right here, where I have given up on having a nice walkway because of the chickens. Like, what does that teach me about what I think I'm worth? Mm-hmm. And so what it taught me was like, oh, I don't want to keep having to repeat menial tasks so that I have a beautiful place to live. Well, that's Not just true on my front door, it's true like throughout my life of, oh, I just want to (laughs) pay my taxes once and be done. Or I just want to (laughs) uh, put money in my savings account one time and not have to do it all the time. Or I want to um, have a great relationship, but not with all the little tiny things that were stacking up to make a great relationship, having to tell the truth and be vulnerable and share my feelings and all that. So that's where I started with. So what I did was I started sweeping off the chicken stuff every single day. Every morning, get up, sweep the chickens. Every night, it's all covered with dirt again. All right. But uh it started showing me, "Oh my god, that is so weird. I swept dirt and I feel better about myself." Like huh. it was huge aha for me. Huge aha. Like how does that make me feel that good about myself? Like, what is that? And so that's where I started realizing, oh, this front door exercise is pretty magical because every time I walked into that on that clean little trail, it was like, no, I'm worth having a clean trail. I'm worth getting out the broom every day. I'm worth moving around that chicken stuff. You know, I'm I'm worth that. So um, so that was the first time. And then every single house since has had every every single year. It has been something.
1: Mm. Okay. Well, mine is ridiculous because I I relate to that ongoing problem. And what I find (laughs) is I have this by my front door. It's kind of sunken in just a little bit. And for some reason, the wind catches there so much that I constantly have a pile of leaves. Always. Yes, see, same kind of thing, right? Yes. And then I I, I loved it too because I was like laughing about it. I was telling my fiance, I'm like, dude, this is what it means for me. So I have a, a doormat up there that is a total Good. joke. It says doorbell broken, yelled ding dong really loudly. And <laughs> I looked at this and I was like, oh my God, what it tells me is I've given up, but I have a sense of humor. <laughs> I was like, oh no. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, I was dying Yes. Though. Yeah. Well, for anybody I know, you have a mostly mon- millennial market, but I am not—I'm full X Gen, as X Gen as you can be. Mm-hmm. And so, us X Geners have, you know, teenagers at home. So this year's uh, door project for me, <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, I'm so embarrassed, but I have—I have to tell the truth. I got to show my front door. So I live in Big Sur. Um, and I live in a yurt and we also have like little buildings all over the place. So we have a little kitchen, some then we have a little bathhouse, and we have a little laundry room. My daughter lives in her airstream, and my stepson lives in a bunkhouse. So anyway, like our kitchen would probably be the front door for all of us, but the kitchen door is this old farmhouse door with little window panes, and one of them was broken, and it broke six months ago, Annie, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I it was not that. repaired. <laughs> I totally it get was that. not repaired. So, so this year when I was, okay, I'm posting my front door. So the, the work is to take the picture. Don't just look at your front door. You have to take a picture and look at the picture because we have what's called occupational blindness and it it makes you just not see what's in front of you. And that's a good thing because it's just way too much information all the time that you'd have to process. So anything that's common You you walk by it a thousand times a day, you're not going to see it anymore. It's also what makes you not know if there's milk in the fridge, even if you're standing in front of it. And it's also what, like, there's those YouTube videos with the gorilla that goes by, like, when you're watching the ball go back and forth. There's all kinds of things to show you. This is a psychological phenomenon. You just don't see everything in front of you. So photos help you break out of that. So take a photo and then look at what's going on in your front door. And what you're looking for specifically is where you might unintentionally being uh, reinforcing the idea that you're not worth your time or energy. Mm. So, and, and I guess that's where we need to start is really like, what is worthiness and worthiness is the care an investment of your time, energy and resources. And when you have self-worth, that means you care and put energy and time and resources into your own self. Yeah. And so, yeah, that little pile of leaves that you walk by every single day, every day, it doesn't seem like that means I don't love myself, but but that is how it starts to work. Yep. Uh, is that you don't put the care there and you don't even realize it's bothering you until you fix it. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, that's weird. Now I notice because it's a different thing. I don't have the occupational blindness there anymore. So,
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, so this pictures,
0: yes. Yeah. So this year I had to do the, the window. And what I realized was, okay, why did I let that go so long for one? It's like, uh, it's an antique door and I don't even know where to find a little window paint for this thing. I don't even know how to do it. So there's that. Um, and so you look at that and go, where else in your life are you saying that? Where else in your life are you believing that? Oh, I'm believing that all over the place. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. Eh, too much bother. Right. Mm-hmm. But the big one and the one that really, really stood out as far as how it, re, uh, related to worthiness for me was, the The door was broken because of teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> like and that. so there there's this, yeah, he he was playing with the dogs, and he put his head through the door <laughs> as we do, <laughs> just you know regular Tuesday stuff <laughs> <laughs> so uh, but um, yeah, so so in in my head, I would look at that and go, I can't have nice things till the kids are gone. And that is poison. And that, that is where worthlessness starts to seep in. So thinking that you can't have nice things because you're not rich enough, thinking that you can't have nice things because you're single, Mm -hmm. thinking that you can't have nice things because um, you've got toddlers, whatever, whatever that reason is that you're keeping yourself from anything that you really believe and care about, it, it's, it's not good. It's mm. not good. And that's, that's what starts to deteriorate that, that strength, that interior strength that worthiness is. I am So did you do it. a makeover? Did you do no. a, a... <laughs> I didn't actually. I know. I
1: know. I didn't do it yet. I did Okay, yes, I'm slacking. This is true.
0: Okay, but so you saw, all right, I'm letting these leaves collect in the corner. I have a funny mat. So if you were going to do a makeover, what what would you do? Honestly, the only thing I would do,
1: because I really do love my color scheme, my doormat cracks me up,
0: I would just get rid of the leaves. Yeah, yeah there you go. That would literally be it. Just to like do it, get rid okay. of the, the clutter. Yeah. But yeah, then you just say, all right, I'm going to do this every day. And instead of having it go, oh, my God, every single day I have to do this, it's just more of a a promise to yourself, like, I'm just not going to live with leaves in this corner. And then when you see it clean, that's where it reinforces. So when you're doing uh, behavior that isn't in honor, like respecting your true self, Mm -hmm. Uh, then you're in what's called the worthless cycle and you're actually deteriorating your self-worth. But just by just by moving the leaves one time, one time, that's all it takes, you actually change over to the worthy cycle and you feel different and you feel different immediately. And then that reminds you, that's the reinforcement. It's like, oh, that was weird. Like I can just move leaves and I'll feel better about myself. Okay, because that's a lot easier than losing 20 pounds today. I'll do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. I love it. So, yes, I love the Dora exercise. It's cool. It never disappoints. It's always good. It's always good. It's
1: quite comical. But I I really did love that, too, because I thought it was such a simple step about talking about the things that we settle for in our lives that we don't even realize we're doing. And I love how even one of the examples in the book you gave was. The gal that almost had this like perfect image on the outside oh, that yeah. wasn't reflective yeah. of her either. I was like, Ooh, that is good.
0: Yeah. So it goes both ways. See, the wor- worthiness is created by investing in true self, worthlessness is created by investing in your ideal image. So, this ideal image is who you think you're supposed to be. And that doesn't necessarily show up in what looks great. So for instance, I could have an ideal image that I'm supposed to be 30 years old. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I could have an ideal image that I'm supposed to, you know, be, have a PhD. Let's just say that. My, my ideal image is I have a PhD. I'm so smart. I'm put together and I'm younger than I am. So when I start focusing on that ideal image, uh, I actually don't put any emphasis on who I really am. 47-year-old woman without a PhD. And I'm not honoring who I really am. So that can look like two different things. That can look like, look, I'm I'm getting a PhD. So you can't just go, oh yeah, just because I'm doing something that looks good from the outside, if you are feeling that uh, ideal image, it can actually uh, be deteriorating your self-worth. For instance, like... If you have little kids and you're wanting to look like a great mom and you're like doing all the things, I'm volunteering here and I'm taking them there and I'm always hosting the play dates and I'm doing all these things and you don't like it, you're actually feeling worse at the end of the day if it's not your true self invested in that ideal image. So yeah, take it to the front door. Here's this woman that has this perfect front door, but it's not who she is. She's all all pinched off and trying to be perfect and it's making her feel bad even though she's doing a good job at it but it's it's actually hurting her self-worth so so that door exercise was to bring in some funky stuff and so you know she goes vintage shopping she gets a like funky orange chair i think so um and it and it helps her relax going i don't have to be perfect I love it. I thought that was such a fun exercise. Yeah. Yeah, And I'm sure you have those, those people on, on both sides. Like there's the compulsive spender, but then there's also the compulsive not spender, like who's so afraid to make a mistake that they won't allow themselves to have what they want. So it's that same kind of idea where it can go on both sides. I can be way too controlled and way too perfect. And that's actually just following a fantasy or I can be completely compulsive, not at all taking care of myself. And that is also following a different type of fantasy. So both ends of that spectrum are are ultimately unhealthy in finances and in worthiness. I think the worthiness thing too
1: is such a key piece because I see so many people even accept this baseline of I'm only worthy of making this much money. And you kind of alluded to that in the very beginning of this conversation too. Yes. So if somebody yes. finds that they maybe are stuck at a certain income level and they can't seem to get past it, what do what is the immediate yes. next step that they can take?
0: Yes. So uh, you, uh, that's the thing I think is so interesting about money because it does show you what you think you're worth yeah. in that way um and it is not just a self-fulfilling prophecy like you actually do make all uh, thousands of little choices day in and day out that reinforce that belief so uh, yes there's all kinds of people like well i have a salary and that's all i can make (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) that is it that is my job and so what i say is what if you're wrong What if you're wrong and you're looking at this in, in, in a limited scope? So I, there's, there's two different aspects of money. There's the actual reality of money that what is your income and what can you actually control about that? And then there's the relationship that you have to this entity called money. And, and I, I work in that relationship zone, which is interesting to me, uh, so you can absolutely change your relationship to money, and you can absolutely change your relationship to earning, and you can change what you believe your income possibilities are. I don't know that you have control today to say, hey, I want to make an extra 10 grand today. That might not happen, but you can definitely open up your mind to go, okay, if this was a relationship, uh, How might I come to this? So the way, the reason I like the word relationship for one, it's just, it's a more feminine way of looking at money. It's, and we're good. We're good at relationships. We're good at talking to people. We're good at caring for others. We're good at caring for our friends and our parents and our, and our kids and our pets. And so if you come to this idea of what can I earn, um, as a way of like how would i how would I look at a child and say, like what am I w- what's the upside of this relationship? What could I possibly get from this like infinity, infinity, right? like you you don't put a cap on that right. um, you you automatically know that that it's infinite like what 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 can you earn from a child? everything? They're amazing. Mm-hmm. what do they cost you everything? <laughs> but they're amazing. (laughs) (laughs) They're amazing for that too. Right. But when you're looking at it through that lens of a relationship, you're not putting a ceiling on it. However, when you're dating or something, yeah. What kind of, you know, you might not believe that you can get the guy that you really wanted or thought you, you know, you might not believe in having a great career. You might not believe that you can be successful at anything. You might not believe that, uh you can have this life you want and so that right there is all between you and this idea that is not reality that is that's that's only you stopping you mm. but it's hard work to change mm. that belief system
1: It is hard work. And I think that any of the work that is difficult is worth doing because I think that's where we can start to really live a fulfilled life. And, I mean, let's be real. Life is short, man. Mm. It's super short. So if you want to spend it in fear or in avoidance or chasing, you talk about those concepts a lot in the book, too. If you want to live your life in that way, I mean, I guess go for it. But it doesn't feel good.
0: Right. Right. So... When you have somebody that says, uh, my earning potential is limited, or, or, is that what you were kind of asking me? Like, how do we come at this? What what could we say to somebody like that? Yeah, I guess like sometimes it's it's so hard to even, see, like if, if you've never
1: had it modeled to you, I know, especially with the earnings, yeah. it's so hard to even yeah. see what your potential might be for yourself. And so sometimes it yeah. can feel so far-fetched.
0: It can be. So so one of the things that I love doing is just like, let's just get out of this whole paradigm where we have to make income in a certain way and we have to pay for things in a certain way. Like, Like what got me into trouble was thinking I needed to go to college, have a career that I thought I was going to stay in, buy houses, and do this standardized American dream idea.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then I felt so ugh, I cannot even tell you like how uh I-, I just felt so cheated. Like I had done it right and I got so burned, <laughs> like so, yeah. so, so burned by that process. Like, what do you mean? Like it, it-, it was just rude. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Very hard. laughs> um but so now I come at it and go, okay, what if. Yeah, college great. Or what if you don't go to college? Or what if you don't buy a house? How else can you live live in a way that sustains you? What else can you do? So, I'm I'm looking at like the financial life as all these different levers that you can have. It doesn't. You don't necessarily have to make more money to get the life you want. There's so many other things you can do. You can lower your your costs. You can move to a place that's not so expensive. You can not have a fancy car. There's so many ways that you actually do have control over this. So, um, so for instance, I live in a yurt in Big Sur, and uh, I have an outdoor shower. It's cold. You know, there's there's things that I don't uh, love about that. It's it's hard. It's, but there's also things I do love about it because. I have so much freedom. I have terrible Wi-Fi, but I have so much freedom, <laughs> and I get, I get to have this like beautiful nature-based how like lifestyle. Uh, my daughter was able to stay here, and go to school. Like none of that puts me into debt. None of that requires my future self to pay that off. None of that is beyond my means. Um, so, so when I'm working with somebody that's like, you know, I'm at this top income and I don't know how to break through, I would say, yeah, that is a, that's a thinking problem. And how about we do a different thinking problem? Let's look at how much you can cut out, Mm -hmm. how, how many more options you actually have. So maybe that one job isn't going to pay you more, but how else could you make money. How else can you cut costs? How else can you live more minimal? How else can you have more freedom? I think that's good. Like that. It makes a lot of
1: sense to, to look at it from a different lens. And sometimes when I think that's the value in conversations like these is it, it almost gives people permission to view their life from a different
0: lens. So I think it's really powerful. I think so. But two, there's not just one game you can play here. There's lots of different games. So, so do the one that makes you happiest. Do the one that gives you the most security. Do the one that makes you feel more, more free and, and less burdened and less shitty about yourself. I mean, you just don't, you don't have to, you don't have to try to play a game that you feel like you're bad at.
1: I agree completely. I'm really curious about your yurt because I think this is so, I love alternative <laughs> living too. I, I love it. Yes, yes, and you've got a killer view, yes. friend. Like, tell us a little bit about how the that oh, yeah. even came
0: about. Oh yeah. So if you listen to the book, there, the last chapter, I talk about. Uh, it was a really hard chapter for me to write, and it was also very, um, very vulnerable to share. But I, when I started all changing all these things about myself and really understanding you know, sweeping off the chicken stuff, (laughs) started stacking up. And so I didn't just do that. You know, I started picking up the laundry off my floor and I started buying food that I liked rather than what I thought would make me skinny. And I started, um, turning my phone off at night and just watching TV with my daughter and, and not being so disrupted. And um, I stopped overworking, which was my biggest thing. I, I never, ever stopped working because I had lost everything before. And I was so afraid of being poor again or 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 just rock bottom again. So I was a complete workaholic, like to a very bad degree. So... Um, and then right, right around that time, I I met Blake and that's who I talk about at the end. And, um, he, he was raised in Big Sur. So he lives on a ranch here. He wasn't raised in Big Sur. He was raised with this ranch as part of his life. Mm -hmm. And so, um, my daughter was in high school. I had a few years ahead of me. His son is in high school and he had a few years ahead of him. And so eventually uh, I thought, you know, It'd be nice. Maybe someday we'll live on, on the ranch together, and it, it's it's the same um, same process going through how we decided to move here, how we decided to move into a yurt, and a lot of that came out of COVID, so I had a really nice house in town, and the kids had a cute little place to live while they went to school, and then we had the ranch, and he has a big house, and he had a caretaker's unit, and the caretaker's unit is the yurt, and uh, we decided uh, during COVID just to dump. So we didn't have to have all the stresses of all the different things going on in our life. Right. And we all moved in to the caretaker area. We rent out the big house. And so, you know, a lot of people look at that and go, why? And like Because it's just so nice to not have to worry. It's yeah. so nice. Like we have a home. It Yes, we shower in cold air. But... <laughs> it's it's I don't I never wanted a big home. I love little homes, and I love I love so much not feeling stressed. And so this has afforded me to be able to continue writing and and uh, I don't I have lived on very little since two thousand and nine and 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 I've been incredibly careful with how I spend my money so this feels very good to me to just live in this nice place but yes I do have an ocean view and that's very nice and I have very many acres around me and that's very nice too what we get in view we lose in wi-fi <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it is it's an alternative lifestyle it really is like I I've I follow like hashtag Year Live, hashtag airstream life hashtag you know off-grid things homesteading things like I love that and all of that came out of my, my money work. <laughs> I so went from buying Gucci dresses to like how to make big jam. <laughs> <laughs> totally,
1: <laughs> That's so good. Well, you're, you've, I mean, I love it. I think your, your is absolutely beautiful. The view is like, I don't know why anybody would choose a different life. Like you've got such a beautiful place. Like it's just amazing.
0: Yeah. It is. It is. You're out here, though. I mean, we our our uh, highway fell into the ocean <laughs> six oh, weeks real? ago. So, <laughs> yeah, no, Big Sur is out here. We there's. It's definitely wild. Like really, really wild. Like the fires last summer were no joke. The wow. uh, when it rains, things fall and the highways close down. And bridges fall over. Like it's a. It's a real true wilderness, not like Alaska, but it's, it's, it's wilderness. So it's a, it's a, it's a more difficult way of living, but it's also like, to me, just, it makes me happy. Like, I I don't want, I don't want to continue trying to run in a race that made me tired and feel bad about myself. Mm -hmm. And so I'd much rather just be more in touch with nature and have a slower paced life and really be conscious about how i choose to live it, it makes me feel a lot better uh, my daughter is going you know she's in college she's taking her college classes from her airstream right now but yeah okay. and it, i don't i don't want her to try to you know follow this thing that i tried to follow that's for sure i want her to to make enough to be secure but not to think that she has to just keep making more and more and more and more
1: I love it. I think this is such a good conversation and it's, it's a good starting point. I think for people to at least recognize if they feel like they have issues of worthiness, I definitely
0: think your book will help people. Thank you. Thank you. It was fun to write and, uh, it's, it's really fun to, to work with audible on projects. So I was very, very excited to have be part of their team. And, um, and I love the work that you're doing. I think it's so important. And money was my primary pain, I would say, uh, especially until I was, like, 35. And then, and then it shifted over to just life, period. <laughs> <laughs> yep. the life, period, became very painful. <laughs> but... <laughs> But but it was all the same. It was all the same thing. It was all the same thing of like not wanting to be conscious, not wanting to really have to do the tedious things, you know, hoping that my future self was going to be better and able to handle things better than I was in that moment. And, um, and now, it's just it's just nice to be like, yeah, I don't have to be better than I am. I'm okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like you just let go of those other people's expectations or what you deemed other people's expectations for your own life and said, what feels right to me? Like what makes me happy?
0: Right. Yeah. You know, there's something about losing your house and getting a divorce that like knocks you out of getting an A in life (laughs) at that time. And like, oh, I just failed. All right. So now what? And it was actually the most liberating thing that could have happened to me because it's like, I don't have to be the perfect wife. I can't be the perfect mom. I obviously can't have my finances perfect. So like now that I've totally now I'm starting from scratch again. And how do I really want to do this? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it, it, it does give you a lot of freedom and grace to not have to be 100% put together.
1: Absolutely. Meadow, I have really loved this conversation. I think it's, it's such an important one to have. And I appreciate you illustrating a little bit about how worthiness or lack of worthiness sometimes secretly shows up in our lives. But before we officially part ways, are you by chance down for some rapid fire questions? Sure. Yes. Let's do it. Okay. So my first question for you is what is one purchase you've recently made that has made your life better?
0: A toilet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Has anybody ever said that to you? No, that's definitely a first friend. (laughs) (laughs) We just installed our toilet. (laughs) That's very exciting what is it like a plum post <laughs> toilet flushable what'd you go with uh, flush toilet but yeah we uh we built a we built a little bathhouse and we just got to install the toilet so this is like the fifth day of having it an, and in like i don't have, have to go down and around uh, a whole trail system to get to a bathroom so now i have a toilet that's like uh i don't know 20 feet away from where i sleep so that's nice that's <laughs>
1: That is amazing. I love it. Okay, next question for you. Are you more of a morning or evening routine person?
0: Oh, uh, morning, morning. Okay. So what's your <laughs> current morning routine? Get up out of the your first I make a fire because it's cold in here. And then I go down and I make coffee. I chat with Blake. We take a hike. We take the dogs out for the hike. And by the time I come back, the yurt is warm, and then I start writing. And then I usually write until about lunchtime or 1. That's my morning routine.
1: That's beautiful. I love that. All right, friend. Next question for you. Where is one location you're dying to travel to?
0: Oh, just right now, anywhere. Um <laughs> Like a place that I haven't been. <laughs> I've been at lockdown for so long. I know. Uh, okay, well, what, where I really want to go is San Luis Obispo. That's where my daughter's going to be moving and going to college. And, and that's where I grew up, and I miss it a lot. It's like, it's one of my favorite places. So that was what immediately came into my mind. And the other one is Hawaii because it's been a long time. And that's like the full island idea. Sounds great. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think either one of those places sounds incredible (laughs) right now too. (laughs) Just anywhere beyond these four walls. For real, for real
1: though. Okay, (laughs) last question for you. In your opinion, what is the secret to financial success?
0: Mm. To feel safe enough that you can forgive yourself for your mistakes. Mm. That is so good.
1: I love it. Meadow, you are a rock star. Thank you so much for your work. Your book was incredible. I loved it so much. And I think everybody needs to go get their hands on it.
0: It's free. It's free. You don't have to buy it on Audible. It's in the plus catalog. So if you have an Audible account, you can just listen for free. And if you don't have an Audible account, you can sign up for one for 30 days and listen to it. And then you still don't have to pay. So, <laughs> for people that are really, really on a budget, you don't have to pay for this. You can just listen to it. And it's, I can say that. They told me I can tell people that. <laughs> <laughs> they gave me permission for that. <laughs> <laughs> they gave me permission to tell you how to do it for free. <laughs> That's amazing. Meadow, thank you so much for
1: your time. It was so fun thank to connect you. with you.
0: Thanks, Whitney.
1: Okay, tell me, what'd you think? Did you enjoy this episode? I know I definitely did. I thought it was so interesting and it definitely had me reflected on my own self-worth and my own journey to confidence and net worth and how it all commingled. And I'd love to hear from you. What was your takeaway? Take a screenshot of this. Tag me on Instagram. I'm at Whitney underscore Hanson underscore co. Let me know that you're listening in and what your takeaways were. All right. That is it for today. I hope you're having an amazing Wednesday and I will see you on Friday for five tip Friday or next week for another episode of the money nerds podcast. Bye.